Welcome to Two Penny Blog, where I share my two cents with anyone who cares. This is Pastor Lou Florio. Welcome back, everyone. It's good to be with you as always. And today I'm offering up another sermon called Death is in the air. Conversing about death can be difficult for all of us, but it lies before each and every one of us, and I argue in the sermon around us as well. But Jesus is with us too. His love came to surround us, claim us, and save us. So I hope you'll listen as I talk about John 12 and the story of Mary and her perfume. As I do so, I also invite you to remember God's claim on you through your faith and baptism. This was an emotional and difficult sermon for me, but I hope it will prove a meaningful one for you. Let's join worship already in progress as I read the gospel. This audio was recorded at Christ Lutheran Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia, on the fifth Sunday of Lent, April 3rd, 2022. Please rise as you're able. Gospel according to St. John, the 12th chapter. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who was about to portray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it out. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. When we think about this passage... If I were to ask you what sticks out from this passage, as I did our Bible study group on Monday, it's likely that two answers would quickly emerge. First, you'd probably recognize Judas and his selfishness. Then second, you'd probably recognize Mary and her overflowing generosity. In the same room, facing the same future prospects and possibilities, There's a tension between Judas, who is false, and Mary, who is true. And within that tension, we have a scene also pointing us toward the future. 
Mary's washing of Jesus' feet foreshadows the time when Jesus will wash his disciples' feet in loving service. Judas's desire for money prefigures the time when he will betray his friend for 30 pieces of silver. And in this situation, we are reminded of our own. Yes, John shares this scene with us, not just to report on history, but to help us wrestle with our present and future condition. We are in that very room, in a sense, asked to stare down death with Jesus. In the face of current upcoming hardship, struggle or loss. And in life, we experience all these things, for we cannot avoid them. Will we choose the extravagance, pleasure, effusiveness, and exuberance of Mary's choice, as one pastor calls it? Or will we be overly concerned with self-preservation, practicality, and getting away with what we think we deserve? Will we echo Mary's loving actions in our life, or will we choose Judas's path? What will our legacy be? Each and every day, if not every single moment, we must choose between death and life, selfishness and generosity, isolation with its me-first attitudes, or community, loving God and neighbor as ourself. If life were a dinner party, it certainly would be like the room we enter through this story today. You see, the stench of death is in the air of that room, just as it lingers and taunts us in our lives. Remember, Jesus has announced he would be entering Jerusalem, even though he knows he will die. Much as Thomas verbalizes elsewhere, Jesus' followers expect to perhaps die with him. At the best, they know whatever comes will likely hurt. Lazarus, who was only recently raised from the dead, was there eating with them. His presence is a consistent reminder of death. Judas is a prime mover in today's passage. For the early Christians who heard this passage, just as we have today, they know what he will soon do. He is a betrayer and false friend. His actions, no matter how one might rationalize them or try to understand them, helps lead to only one outcome, Jesus' crucifixion. And perhaps Judas might remind us of people who have been false to us or how we've also been false to others. And the smell of that perfume, oh, that perfume, it lingers thickly, perhaps suffocatingly in the air. Some dinner party. If you have ever said goodbye to a beloved friend or family member, you know a bit of what it was like in that room for those people. Now, I know that I have probably a different intimacy with death than some of you. And I don't share this with you to shock you, but only to explain how I've come to my point of view. I first encountered death in kindergarten. 
Death was part of the daily reality of my military and police service. Potential death and actual death, as a colleague of mine was shot and killed. And in and out of police work, I've had four people I love murdered. I later served as a hospital and hospice chaplain, accompanying people as they died. In my missionary work with Native youth, I had children die. Children. Long before their time. Yet despite all this experience with death, I do not and will not claim comfort with death. It is always uncomfortable. It is always painful. I don't claim to know everything that should be known about it. No one can. Still, I do seek to accept a Lenten, hopeful realism about it. Yes, it can be hopeful. Remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. With that in mind, let me explain a little further. I recall an older friend of mine who was immensely popular in his region. He was loved and respected for his work, generosity, and his loyalty. He was a steadfast friend and loving person. So as people became sick or entered the hospital, he was the one that would automatically go to visit them. And if they were to die, he would be there to grieve. But he would also honor his friend by sharing about the love that they shared together with the family and friends that were assembled. Yet as he aged and more friends died, and he had many, many friends, he felt like he was always going to funerals. It was rightly depressing. And one day he asked me about it. It seemed sort of unfair, hard to escape. Why does God allow so much pain in the world? Why does the smell of death linger so much around us? I don't know in detail the answer to this question, but I did point to Jesus. Jesus humbled himself to share in our life and our death. He suffered for our sake so that we could live eternally. He chose to love in the face of misunderstanding and rejection and outright hatred for our sake. Whatever the cost, even death, Jesus chose to love everyone. And in accepting his death on the cross, he knew that it could only lead toward more light and love than he could ever dare hope for. Somehow, mysteriously, God has a plan to restore us from our fallen, sinful, selfish nature into the children of God. Part of the plan for us is to follow Jesus in faith into and through death. Accepting our own sacrificial crosses on the way. And through the, this manner, we choose to love God and others in the way we pray, pray and live. Father, not my will, but your will be done. 
No, we aren't ever to accept death any more than Jesus does. We don't seek to accommodate death. And we certainly don't ignore it. Death is in the room. But as Christians, we choose to resist and fight death. But we don't do so by clinging to our life. Instead, we choose to surrender our lives. We offer our lives, our body, our mind, our soul, all that we have to God and others freely. Because death has absolutely no real and lasting power over us. We can always choose to love. There is a grief author that observes, her name is Megan Devine. She says, when we choose to love, we choose to face death and grief and loss again and again and again. Just as much as we welcome the friendlier parts of love, it's all there, present and contained in everything. Yes, Jesus says there will always be poor with us, but we are, we are called to choose to share what we have with them anyway. There will always be war until Jesus comes again, but we are asked to seek and nurture peace instead. There will always be disease, but we are charged by Jesus to comfort the sick and the dying. We are to do so because even with the smell of death persistent in our nostrils, death is not the only thing in the room. Jesus is there too. Jesus is there too. The one who has conquered sin and death through his resurrection and who will not rest until sin and death is utterly trampled under his feet, destroyed, Gone from our lives forever. As the disciples gathered, they had every right to be sad. Jesus had made it clear that they were about to face some very difficult days ahead, just like us. <clears throat> Thus, let us find courage as we remember that in the face of death, God has chosen to gift us with life. We bathe in the grace of baptism where it is God and not the pastor who baptizes and claims us forever. We eat of it at the Lord's Supper, where again we truly encounter the very real body and blood of Jesus, along with forgiveness of sin and promise of eternal love and life. We meet and interact with Jesus as we gather as one body together in the best of times and worst of times, never alone. For Jesus promises to be with us whenever two or three are gathered in his name. More than that, he promises to be always with us, with his ever-present spirit, finding a home in our hearts through faith. Graciously, we walk wet through the power of our baptism, claimed, empowered, and loved by God throughout our life and beyond, past our death. For as Luther wrote, baptism is that which delivers us from the jaws of the devil and makes us God's own, suppresses and takes away sin, and then daily strengthens us. Baptism remains always efficacious to us, for even if we were to fall away, Jesus loves those entrusted to his care. 
He will constantly seek us out. Baptism empowers us to love in the face of death because it, along with the Lord's Supper, gives us the grace which we need to help us daily choose to love as God loves us. These sacraments change us and our experience with death. For nothing, not even death itself, has the power to separate us from a love like Jesus has for us. In Jesus, God remains extravagantly, lavishly, effusively generous to us. Yes, remember you are dust and to dust you shall return. Yes, the stench of death is in the room and it seeks to accost our sensibilities and frighten us. Lent reminds us of this. And yet, that is not everything we are to remember. We are to remember Jesus. I think Professor Powery of Messiah College summarizes this passage in the daily choice before us well. He wrote, John 12 is a reminder that death will not have the final word. Lazarus is a reminder of that promise, even though his human body will die again. The ointment is a reminder of that promise. The people who gathered for another meal are reminded of that promise. The prepared, anointed body of Jesus, of course, is the ultimate reminder of that promise. Death will not have the final word. During the season of Lent, we remember that death will not have the final word. To learn more about Christ Lutheran Church, where I serve as associate pastor, please visit us at christ-lutheran-church.org. All opinions on this podcast and my written blog are my own. But if you have any questions about anything I've posted or ideas for a future podcast, please write me at twopennyblog at gmail.com. Twopennyblog is spelt out. I'd love to hear from you. To learn more about my work with the Theology on Tap program called Three Priests Walk in a Bar, visit us on Facebook at Facebook forward slash Three Priests. That's spelled out with no spaces as well. Now, for the legalese, unless otherwise indicated, all scripture quotations for any of my posts or podcasts are from the New Revised Standard Version translation of the Bible, also known as the NRSV. This podcast is copyright 2022 by the Reverend Louis Florio. All content not held under another's copyright may not be used without permission of the author.